what's up, everybody? I'm Alex Warren, and welcome to Locked In, the show where we investigate the truth behind the clickbait. Once my guest steps into the studio, we set the timer to 60 minutes, lock the door, and throw away the key. The only way out is when the timer hits zero. On this episode, we're locking in the good boys. This is Todd, and this is Brett. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> hey, Brett. I love this. You guys, are you nervous? I'm kind of nervous. Yeah, I think my heart rate just shot up. Really? Yeah. I'm nervous like, as fuck. Oh I feel like we're on fucking hot wings. Really? Without the wings. <laughs> Without any of it. <laughs> oh <my> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys are wearing the same sweatshirts. Yeah. I, I was wondering yeah, about that. Happen. that. Wait, so this is uh, Todd's brand, Gothic Mochas. Oh, I love it. And yeah. we were shooting a podcast yesterday, and right before we shot, I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to wear. Yeah. And I almost wore a different like Gothic Mocha hoodie. And for some reason, I was like, today's not the day. I'm not going to wear it. And... Todd gets there. He's wearing the same hoodie that I was going to wear. Oh, I was amazing. like, thank God it. Thank I, God I didn't one. wear it. So today I texted him as I was putting this on. I was like, just so you know, I'm wearing the Gothic Mocha turtleneck. Meaning like, don't, don't wear it. Right. He goes, perfect. I will too. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best thing ever. Right? I love it. Get a match. I was like, all right. I want one. Can I have one? Yeah, of course. It's, if you ever do you a PR. You can have this one if you want one. I'll take it off. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So the way, the way I do this is I only do one guest per time. So you guys are each going to have 30 minutes and I'm going to pretty much do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, so in about, actually, Calvin, come in. So I'm going to go ahead and take Todd out and we will go with Brett. Me first? Oh, minutes. shit. If you're wondering about the costume. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> is that Farva? I don't know what it is. Wait, dude, I'm so nervous. Reno 911. <laughs> okay, yeah. Reno 911. Great I don't know what that is. Great. Freaking have you have you seen um? What's the other one with Farva? Fuck. I don't know. This guy is crazy. Two hot babes going that way, and that's just yeah. me and Brett. Holy You're the first thirty minutes everyone's watching. I'm so nervous. I know. I thought for when you guys asked me to be on your podcast, I was like, damn, they must be running out of people. No way. <laughs> yeah. We were stoked. No, I don't know. I, it's something with me that I'm kind of just like, I have a lot more famous friends than me. So it's kind of yeah. like, damn, who said no for them to get to me? No, it wasn't like that at all. Because I, I remember when, because uh, I think it was uh, the Hoobie guys introduced us. Yeah. I was like, do you think you'd really want to come on our podcast? Dude. Dude, we're, we all hate ourselves so much, don't we? I know. Because for us to think that about each other, they're like, like the psychology of what's going on in our heads when that when that moment's going on, like we need therapy. Yeah, that's well, here we, we are. So you're Brett. This I'm is Brett. Brett. Um, you guys have the Good Boys podcast, but you actually have a lot of cool things about you that you just don't show on the internet. You're yes. a produ- you make music. Which I'm is a and R. Yeah. Well, you've made music before. You know what's funny is I'm horribly talented. I'm like so untalented at music. Really? I can't sing. I'm I'm tone deaf, but. Have really good taste. See, when we were talking after the podcast that I did with obviously you guys, I I got the impression that you were just very like good at what you do. <laughs> You're very well spoken about it. Oh, thank you. But there's absolutely nothing on the fucking internet about you. Yeah. I, I I have a dossier before every podcast, and every single time I do this, it's kind of I I know everything about someone. Yeah. I don't know anything about you, and I fucking hate that. Really? Tell me about you. Oh man. Well, what I will say is. I kind of like it that way. I know. I don't know. There's something like, not to say I'm intentionally mysterious. Sure. But there's something about having your privacy that's like really comforting. Yeah. Um, but it's really like, it's a par- paradox, paradox, paradoxal. I don't know the right word. but I understand. But yeah. uh, Catch-22 in a sense, because like a lot of my friends are very public on the internet. I'm in a friend group that has one of the biggest magnifying glasses of any friend group on the internet. And I'm someone who nobody knows within that friend group. And if anything, I That's like, kind of cool though. Yeah, I find it, I find that interesting and fascinating. And people are like, how did you get into that friend group? And if you're in that friend group, how come you don't have this, you know, a following? Massive following. I, I just, that's not something I ever wanted. Yeah. Right, I don't, you know, this is not something that I, 
I seek out or anything like that. And I remember when I first started becoming friends with this whole group, like David and Natalie and yeah. obviously Todd, Zane, Matt. You know, there would be moments where we would be like at Saddle Ranch and the camera would turn on me. And I would go like this. You know, no, I'm good. I'm, <laughs> good. I'm good. I would get so nervous. I, my mind would go blank. Right. And I had this preconceived. Um, I had never been on camera before that. So then that anxiety that that gave me made me think that I couldn't be on any type of camera. And it was when Todd and I started like streaming on Twitch together just for fun, like for shits and giggles, that I realized I'm like, oh, this is a platform where I can just kind of be myself, talk about things, control sure. my own rhetoric, just have a voice and say things that I want to say, like unedited. Yeah. For hours. And that kind of led into the podcast where it's like, okay, we have this good, you know, this good dynamic. We we kind of bring the best out of each other and we can have these like longer form conversations. And it's not just like the camera's on you for two seconds. And if you don't say the funniest thing in the room, it's not going to make it into a vlog. And that's never something I wanted either. Like, right. So There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, There's like a that. ton. First of all, I think the most important thing is, is, Kind of like you seem like the type of guy who wants to, you know, do what you love, and, and if following follows, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's it seems to be the way that you're explaining that is you kind of just don't want to be someone's friend. You kind of want to be Brett, and you like, yeah. want to be famous for something you do, or you don't care about the fame. But if it happens, it happens. Dude, I will say this, and I, I it's, it's a hard thing to explain, but I've never had, I've never closed my eyes and seen myself being famous. Like I can't right. close my eyes and see myself like someone writing about me in People magazine. But I have always wanted to leave a legacy, and I think a lot of like entrepreneurs can relate to that. Where it's like, um, I remember. So I don't know how much we've. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. But when I was fourteen, I went went viral on Facebook. No, we didn't talk about like, this. It's crazy. So I was one of the first people to ever use Facebook to uh, raise awareness for a, a cause, like a charity. Oh shit! And my grandmother had Parkinson's disease. You know, without going into too many details. I, I, this was in 2007, so Facebook was in its early days. I started a group on Facebook, and I said, for every person that joins this group, I'll donate 17 cents to Parkinson's. And from there, I remember it was like, went from like 1,000 people joined. I invited like 200 friends and said, oh, everyone invite some friends. Yeah. And like 5,000 people joined. You know, it was on the local news. Oh, kept getting wow. picked up. And before I knew it, I remember one day I woke up, and there was like 80,000 people in the group. And Jesus this Christ. was over like a few months. I was 14 years old. I had pledged 17 cents per person. And in my mind, like, I had to do it. And $10,000 is a lot of money. And I panicked. And I clo- you know, I made the group private. I was like, no more people can join. But that set me off on this whole journey towards entrepreneurship. But the feeling that I got over the next year as I, you know, did bake sales and then um, you know, got a bunch of people in my community involved. I did a walk for Parkinson's. I did a bunch of events right. to raise the money, which actually ended in a benefit concert, which is how I got into booking concerts. Um, and into the music business, like the fulfillment that I got from leaving that kind of legacy and knowing that the impact I made on others, like it it scratched that that entrepreneurial itch that right. I had from a very young age. And I was blessed to find that passion. That kind of set me off on this journey where it's like it was never about fame or notoriety. It was always about like legacy. And that's what led me down the path of music, working with artists. And that's why like you know, I love working with songwriters and producers because they're the lifeblood of the music business. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of skip forward, fast forward, I think it's a very similar type of mentality of like, you get to work on songs that reach billions of people and be part of the creation. And there's some sort of legacy that's left with every song you create. And I think that's really beautiful. You have it all thought out. It's kind of cool. I've had, I've done 10 podcasts now and you're kind of just like, I have this, I have this, this went through this, this, this. I'm like, what am I here for? <laughs> 
I love it. No, it, it's truly, like, it's very cool to see that you kind of have this like idea of where you want it to be and, and, yeah. and how it's happened. And you understand the steps it took to get there. For yeah. me, it's like, what, what made you like, how did you get to A&R? And like, why do you do it? And did you, was that the goal? Or was the goal to do music? And it was just something you realized you liked more? Or is there still a goal to do music? I was booking concerts when I was 15. Yeah. So basically Crazy, after by that, the way. that first benefit concert, I think I invested $100 into it and it made $1,000. And I was oh, wow. at that point 15, and I was like, damn, this is pretty cool. And I will say that feeling that I got from standing on stage, there's hundreds of people in the crowd, the curtains come up, the band starts playing, and it felt like it was like a rush. It was like a drug rush I'd never gotten, and you know, you're chasing that feeling ever since. Right. And from there, I just started booking more and more concerts throughout high school. And by the time I was 18, I, was, I got really good using like MySpace, Hype Machine, all these different blogs at finding artists long before they had ever reached like the success that people, you know, where they were reaching the masses. Sure. So I'd book them really early and I'd reach out to their agents and I'd book them. And I got really good at discovering artists before anyone else. And what I didn't realize is that most artists that find long-term success come from with either a platform or a subculture. Mm-hmm. For you, for example, you have a platform, you, YouTube. Um, you know, it's like the modern version of, you know, Disney Channel yeah. launching the, the careers of like Selena and... Brady Spears. I mean, Justin was founded on YouTube, which is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, the only other option to to a platform is subculture. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't realize is that I was so immersed in like the emo pop punk subculture that the artists that I was finding really early to me that were like big because they were like they were coming up within the subculture in the landscape of pop music were undiscovered. Mm-hmm. But I had my finger on that pulse, so. What I didn't realize when I when I was 18, I was I met uh, an A&R named Jeff Levin, okay. who works at Atlantic Records still to this day. Yep. Um, and I was explaining to him my 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 process of discovering artists that I want to book for concerts. And I was on my way to go to college. Like it was the summer before high school and college. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I can't go book. I don't know if I'm going to be able to book concerts at Indiana University. Like, <laughs> I don't know where my life's going to go. Right. And he offered me, he was like, if you just start sending me, instead of booking the bands, if you just start sending me music every day, we can discuss like, putting you on salary as like an A&R scout for Atlantic That's, Records. That sounds a lot like the story of my A&R right now at Atlantic Records, uh, Jordan Marsh. He was right. telling me. That's very similar. Yeah. Very similar story. Yeah. And I know Jordan. Jordan's uh, great. Yeah. I kind of, a lot of people at Atlantic kind of follow that trajectory. I almost say Atlantic's like the Harvard of the music business. Yeah. Because they're really good at finding executives early yeah. and giving them the resources to blossom. And I'm really blessed for like Pete Gambarg and Jeff Levin and that whole community. It's so funny. I know all these people. Yeah, because they, they were they were part of like me learning me learning not just how to now discover artists, but mm-hmm. you know work with songwriters and producers, mix and master a song. The thought that goes into actually making an album and developing an artist is so much more than just like I found this guy on Hype Machine or now, nowadays TikTok. <laughs> sure. There's development that goes into it. There's thought. There's there's algorithms. Like, you know so much about music too, and I was telling you this on our podcast. Like, you need to develop a, a sound. You know, there's tone is so important. The right. right producer is like, if you were, I always say like, if an artist was a, uh, if an artist was like a, a a director, it's like you need to find your cinematographer, like your producer and your screenwriters, like are your are your songwriters, like you need to find the people around you that can help you create this beautiful picture, and I think that you know, create your own world, and that comes a lot. And the A&Rs, I think their job is to help you do that. Yeah. Not always. So I found, fell in love with doing that from like a super young age. That's really fucking cool. Yeah. So you had your first taste, you said, of virality in mm-hmm. 2007. What made you not want to pursue it? Or like not want to like pursue being viral on social media? So you know what's so funny? I think nowadays kids who go viral are like praised. And I don't know, maybe they're bullied. But from my experience, like I 
I think parents probably were like, why aren't you more like Brett Bassick? You know, like, why don't you like, why aren't you doing charity? Why aren't you on the news? Why aren't you doing, starting a Facebook group that goes viral? Um, and kids were not cool about it. Like kids my age, they didn't find it cool. They weren't nice about it. Um, even like my, I remember my older sister was like, are you just doing it? Um, for the fame, and I was like, and that never even had crossed my mind. And she, right. she was the first person to like bring that to my attention. Like, do you just do charity because you like the attention it brings? And I, at that point, been driven by the like the love of um, giving, of giving, and 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 reaching more people. But that was like a moment where I was like, I think I made a decision. Like, going viral and chasing that is like a really scary path to go down, and you can lose yourself doing it. So you have to be super, super careful. And like, yeah, that's why I came to the philosophy like. In my career and my life, if if I ever get a following or people that appreciate what I'm doing or love the legacy I've left, like that's totally fine. If people want to follow me because they like what I have to say or the the way I think, that's totally fine. But I don't want people to follow me for the wrong reasons, and that's why I've always been like very selective what you put out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You were telling me earlier this is the first time that you've done something on social, like done something with cameras when Todd wasn't here. Exactly. Yeah, Which this is my cool. first podcast without Todd. I know. I know. It, I, that's kind of why I like it. It's kind of, it gives me a little bit more insight because at the same time, if I had Todd right here, I'd feel bad if I wasn't asking him questions and right. vice versa. So it's No, I wasn't else. expecting this, but this is really cool. It's fun. I was so nervous at first because I'm like, what am I going to say? But this right. is awesome. So typically what I do in this podcast to get people, we usually talk about pretty heavy stuff and sometimes right. we don't. And in case we do, I like to have a crime that I assign to you. And by the end of it, I decide whether or not you're guilty of it. To get your mind off things and add a fun little element. Um, your crime is scrubbing your internet presence to evade government tracking. Nice. Thank you. I, I didn't come up with it. My producer's. That's amazing. I know. Sometimes it really throws me off, but this one's pretty good. Yeah, this is so great. by the time we're done with this, uh, maybe after Todd's, I'm not too sure. Uh, I'll, I'll decide whether or not you're guilty by it. So far, you're looking okay. Uh huh. You're looking good, man. Thank you. So how'd you and David meet, or like the whole squad essentially? Um, I met Natalie first. She's very nice. I've met and her. And what's funny is Natalie had just moved here from Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think she had just gotten out of a relationship with her like long-term boyfriend, and it. I didn't meet her under any, those kind of terms at all. Right. Todd, if you're watching this, I, I promise. <laughs> um, he is. <laughs> He's in the other room. I know. Um, no, but we, we met at a party, and it was funny because I, I was born in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, moved to Connecticut when I was nine, but I always felt like a Chicago kid at heart. And I was at this party that I uh, – I remember it was like at a friend's house. It was, during, it was like right before Christmas time. Yeah. And I walk into this house – and it's like everyone I followed on Instagram at this party. Like wow. all, every hot girl I'd ever followed on Instagram. <laughs> and I was Rolodex. Like, like, and a lot of these people are like my friends now, like, but like Wolfie Cindy was there. And, oh, and I was cool. friends with Cindy. And she was like the, one of the first people I met as well in that whole scene. And like, oh, wow. like Stasi Baby and like all these kids were there. And I didn't know anyone. And I remember like David, seeing David across the room. I had no idea who he was. And he had like this stunning model like sitting right next to him like so interested in him and i'm like how is that guy pulling that girl like, i was so confused like the whole dynamic of what was going on and someone connected me you're like, like damn la <laughs> and then someone who knew me there was like you should meet natalie like she doesn't know anyone else here either and she's also from chicago oh, cool. so we started talking and she was the first friend i made in that friend group and we became like really quick friends just because she didn't have a social media following yet she was just david's assistant and she wasn't a huge had a huge she didn't have a huge presence right. in 2018 in his vlogs and she you know was new to la so she was the first person I became friends with. Then I went to Saddle Ranch a week later with the same group of friends and Boston saw Natalie Saddle and was hanging with Natalie and the, the whole crew. And 
and Matt King walked up to me because I had Texas on my shirt. Oh, cool. And he thought it was so cool. He's like, I'm from Texas. And then then I met Zane and then Todd. And then next thing I know, it was like I had I had been struggling a lot with the friend group I had in music. And I talk about this a lot, not actually on our podcast, but like with my friends where it was like I started working in music when I was 15. I got hired by Atlantic when I was 18. I started my first business when I was 22. By the time I was 25, um, I'd quit drinking to focus on like my mental health and I was having anxiety. And I realized like I had no friends outside of music and all my friends were years older than me and I had missed out on a lot of this like adolescence or childhood sure. or you know, these years that I really wanted that That's I wish I, I got back. And I was just like, I'm going to separate myself, not just like I love I love my music industry friends and I want to hold on to the ones I care about, but I don't need to chase this vanity that comes from the music business. I'm gonna put myself into a position to find other people who are interesting and fun and aren't in music but have like like have ambitions that they want to achieve yeah. but aren't the same as mine. And then all of a sudden I meet the vlog squad and immediately that just becomes like within months. It's just like I had this incredible new friend group who like I was constantly laughing, fe- feeling inspired, like a- an escape from my job in music. But they none, a lot of times they didn't even care what I did. And that was like so crazy too. I'm like, I have this friend group and they don't give a shit what I do on on the daily. Like they just want to hang out because we have a good time together. And that was like such a unique thing to find in LA. That's great. It's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. So you just don't have like, you don't like, let's just say like people are filming around you. Like you just choose to kind of like avoid, or is it something where it's like, now you're kind of like cool with it. And you're kind of like, Oh, you know what? I'll have fun, but you're just going to be yourself and not try and kind of get laughs for those two. It depends who it is. Um, If it's Todd filming, I'm way more comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, Todd also like is really good at like holding a camera and it's like a dad cam and it doesn't feel like you're about to like get That's how I am. <laughs> I love that. Um, David, I still, I mean, he hasn't been vlogging as much, but I yeah. still kind of feel a little uncomfortable. Um, but overall, I just like, that's not, it's just not really for me. Yeah. It, you you kind of want to just do your shit and like, you yeah. know, reap the benefit of whatever it is and kind of like, you know have your friend time and your private time and then, you know, have your work time. and Absolutely. And I'm... Re- it's very old-fashioned, but it's very cool. Yeah. I haven't, like, I, I, I'm starting to lean that way. Like, I've been doing the vlog stuff for a pretty long time. And, like, for me, you know, I've, I've had, you know, the, the David type of videos and I've had, like, you know, I've, I've been mixing around and kind of trying to find authentically myself in a lot of it. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's been something beautifully fun, but I've also, like, you know, I've try to more appreciate my alone time or my time with my friends without the camera. And That's I think great. It's, it's nice. And I kind of understand why you like it. <laughs> and there's no pressure. Yeah. I like to be the person. I, I, I'd like to think that the reason I'm, I'm kept around is because I can be someone that like people can authentically rely on and trust. And I think you know, Todd wasn't initially my closest friend in the friend group, but it, that friendship grew over time and matured to a place where like, we became really great confidants, and I think it comes down to like one main thing, and that's that like the most important personality trait for both of us in an individual is loyalty, like through and through. And I think that's what has like you know three and a half years later has caused us to kind of continue. Like we can have bickers or fights, or we can be in business together and get frustrated, but over time, like our friendship just gets stronger. And I think that's yeah. what you want in someone in life. I think it's also beautiful too because you don't you're not transactional. Like, and I think that's something where it's like not saying any of the squad is i'm saying is like in no, la they're, they're, if anything actually my whole point of this is the squad is the opposite of transactional yeah in la it's very common to find transactional friendships absolutely and i think the best part about this is the fact is it's not and it's something you don't need to think oh am i doing enough or am i like you know get it giving them something big right. to film and whatever it's kind of like i'm around because 
they enjoy me having around. Absolutely. And that's the best part is like, you're not gaining anything from it except for just friendship and loyalty and right. something beautiful opposed to like content houses. And, you know, I would know I was part of one, but, you know, even then like a filming squad and a group right. where it's like, it's not, you don't hang out unless you're filming. And it's like, that's something that's like very that much. blew my mind when I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, I'm in a really famous friend group. Yeah. And it's all fake. Yeah. We're not friends. When the cameras go off, we see each other at parties and we don't even like acknowledge each other. It's like, Ugh. it's like kids who go to high school together and then see each other at a party and pretend like they don't know each other outside of class. And I was mind blown by that because all I know is what I know and what I see and sure. through the lens that I've experienced. And that's the squad. And they're so real and tight knit. Um, and it isn't transactional. Um, but I will say that my expectation was that it would be in the beginning. And I remember when um, they would invite me around or I was like hanging around a bunch and this was becoming my friend group and they had such a magnifying glass on them and they were getting so much attention. And I was this friend that had 2,000 followers on Instagram. I questioned a lot of myself of like, why do they want me around? Like, why am I friends with them? Like, what do they want from me? Sure. And then over time I realized it's just like, just me to be myself. And that's all I need to do. And, you know, again, it's it's weird when you're like, I'm friends with not just the vlog stuff, but like, a lot of people I'm friends with, I'm like, I'm friends with people that, you know, people who who don't live in LA would kill to be friends with. And then you question yourself of like, how did I, how did this happen? Yeah. How did I get here? And I would always say like, for me, I can't answer how, but I've just like been in LA now for nine years and never tried to lose myself. I just tried to be like, if I can be authentically myself and surround myself with people that I can laugh laugh with and have deep conversations with, like, Great people will continue to come my way and continue to foster great relationships. Like Armin, who's here with us, like yeah. he's a he's one of our closest friends. He's he's another one who's in the squad who you wouldn't expect because he's a VC at a at a at a, a you know a, a fund or whatever um, in finance. But it's like, so cool. I don't know. We love having him around, and he's become one of my like. I was just talking with Todd about this the other day. I'm like, if if I were to get married and think about who my groomsmen would be, it would be like Todd and Armin and all these people that have kind of come in my life over the last few years that I could not have expected to kind of get to that place. So I think that's like, it's really cool how you can continue to grow and evolve in LA. And when people, when there's this expectation that like, if you don't add value to someone, then they might not, that most things should be transactional, like you said. What do you, interesting. what do you want to do? Like, uh, like, are you happy with what you're doing now? Is there a goal? Is there something for you? Like, like for me, I want to do singing. Like mm -hmm. I want to sell at arena. So it's just something I want to do. I enjoy right. it. I love singing and I love making music and I, I think I'm particularly pretty good at it. So for that, that's something that my goal and my ambition is, is there something for you or are you already living it? In a better place with that question than I've ever been in my entire life. That's awesome. So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always felt that in my heart that like, I was capable of starting a business that had um, no ceiling. And I always say, like, if something has a ceiling on it, if you can see, like, this ceiling is $100 million or a billion dollars, or I, I, here's where the ceiling is, and we can exit, or we can, if we start this business, this is, this is where the best it can do, like, then don't fucking do it. Yeah. I like to do things where there's no ceiling on it, where, like, I go into it, and I have no idea where this is going to take me, but I feel confident that it can continue to grow and grow and grow. And from being in the music business for so long, half my life. I've learned a lot. I think I have, in 15 years of experience, and a lot of that being an entrepreneur on my own, I've seen a lot of the negatives and the dark side of the business. So I'm actually building a tech company right now that I think can do a lot of positive change within the songwriter-producer community. Um, I think on the transparency side, there's still a long way to go. So I've actually spent six months building a technology that can help songwriters, music catalog owners, um, other publishers, 
organize all of their data, all of their catalogs, all of their royalties, and provide more transparency within an industry that is still relying on like 30, 40, 50 year old technology. The music industry is pretty, pretty it's lacking. Yeah. It's lacking modernization. I've I spent years kind of conceptualizing a technology that I think could at least modernize the music publishing world. Sure. Um, and what I learned is like you can go around and, and talk for a long time about all these great ideas you have. But until you do it, you're no better than anyone else in LA who has a great idea. Yeah. And for me, I had this great idea and I would tell my friends about it, especially people in music, but I never acted on it because I think there was a fear inside of me that I'm like, well, I'd have to stop managing this person or I wouldn't be able to grow this business. And I've put so much time in. But if you understand the sunken cost fallacy, sometimes you need to just, you know, learn when something's gone in a direction where it's like, okay, I've I've now managed songwriters for a long time or managed producers or worked with artists. And I've reached certain levels of success that I'm really, really proud of. But if I really want to get to the have the success that I want to have, I need to start this company. So I took a step backwards. I raised some money. Um, I hired a handful of engineers, um, and I've been building this platform for now six months. Um, going through that whole venture capital and raise process, and having the meetings that you need to have. And right. I think that I'm now on a path towards more success in a place where I'm like I can combine so many loves, like of technology and music, but doing something for good. And I think that's really exciting for me because I'm like putting myself in a position to reach higher levels of success. So I think that's, to answer your question one way, like that's one way where I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you, I've always wanted to be, make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and we all have. Do it in a way where I've made really positive change. And that's like a very- That's kind of following suit to 2007 too. 100%. Which is like, kind of beautiful. Yeah. And You're kind of full circle. Came full circle. And I think I'm finally in a place where the circle's starting to come, like starting to come around. Yeah. And that's awesome. And then from there, like, you know, I, I've always loved, uh, like from a young age, I always wanted to do film and like do politics and stuff like that. So I think like my goal is like, if I can grow this business to a place where I think it can reach, which I think it could be a multi-billion dollar company. And if it can one day get there, and I have more flexibility in life. Like, I think, you know, going into film as a film film production or venturing into politics, like, I've always said this too, like, from a young age, like, I think I was still struggling a lot with my own leadership abilities, even though I had gone through that viral moment. Yeah. And a teacher recommended I go to a leadership seminar. Um, so I got, I got a scholarship. I went to this leadership seminar for three days. There I kind of learned a lot of, like, the foundation of, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room to be considered a leader. You can lead by example. And I was surrounded by other people who were leaders. And, you know, that education for me was super integral in my career. And I'm like, I've always thought like, whether it's get through politics or other endeavors, like I'd love to reach a level of success where one day I can, again, go full circle and provide that opportunity for for other kids my age who maybe have like that, that little... S- that little itch inside of them that they want to scratch to be an entrepreneur and to be successful and to to leave a legacy, but don't believe in themselves that they can do it and they just need a, they need someone to believe in them. And I think that's how I, I, I to this day I'm always looking for someone to believe in me. I think we all, all everyone is. And you have it all figured out. I don't know if I do. I, you sound like you do. You sound like you know what you want. I know what I want, which is beautiful. Not, yeah. I mean, this again is my my tenth episode I've done, and it's it's quite insane because it's like a lot of people, you know. Yeah, you you have it all. It, it's beautiful because it's kind of like a story arc, 
<laughs> it's like an official like fucking story arc. And it's yeah. cool because it's it's something that you don't see every day. And it's it, you have a goal and you have a passion and you have a objective and something you want to get to. And it's it's all like fully intertwined. Well, dude, I'm going to tell you one, another story real quick. Yeah. I don't know if we have time. We do. Um, when you meet Jeff Levin, have you met him yet? No. He's like one of the top, I think he's like a, runs the LA office for Atlantic Records. So you're definitely going to meet him. He's one of the greatest dudes. He was the person who hired me at Atlantic. He was my roommate for yeah. years. One of the best dudes. He was 21 when I got hired by Atlantic. I was 18. And he was the one who brought me in. And he was the one I met at the concert, the whole thing. On the way to the meeting with him, the first time we ever met in person, or the second time, I guess, we met in person, but the first time under like, am I going to hire this guy circumstances? Yeah. It was one of the coldest days of the year in New York City. And I was on Christmas break from college. I was walking down the street, and I had failed a class in college, but I dropped it before I failed it so I could get a W so it didn't affect my GPA. And the only other class I could pick up was a first aid responder class. This was in college. So I take that first aid responder class, and you learn, like, how to stop someone from going in the shock. You learn how to give, like, see, you know, whatever. You learn all the, yeah. the techniques. I was like, this, to me, was a blow-off class just to get the credits. I'm on my way walking to this meeting with Jeff Levin. And it's negative 10 degrees. I'm walking down the street. I'm already like cutting it really close on time. And I see a woman and she just, she's probably 80 years old. She trips on the curb and smashes her face on the ground. And she's like catty cornered to me on the streets of New York. And this is like right, right on like 42nd and 6th, like heart of New York City, crowded. And people are just stepping over her. And she, I can see her. She's, her teeth are knocked out. She's on the ground. She's bleeding. And I have a decision to make. I'm like, I could go help save this woman or make the Atlantic meeting on time. And I was like, fuck it. So I run across Caddy Corner. Like as soon as the light turns green, I run or like, you know, the walk yeah. sign turns green. I run across the street. I like pick up her teeth off the ground. I clean her up. I make sure she doesn't go in the shock. I call 911. I get the ambulance. I wait there for 10 minutes, put her in, help, help the, I told the, I'm, like, I'm a first aid responder. I help them put her into the ambulance. I have like probably blood on me. I think I had a little blood on me. I, I'm like, you know what, I'm, whatever, I'm going to be late to this meeting. I walk in 20 minutes late, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I totally understand if this isn't going to work out because I'm late. But this is You explain happened. the situation, and they're like, bullshit. <laughs> and to this day, Jeff says, like, I thought when you left that meeting, I thought, he's a great guy, but I can't not hire him because he just saved all of his life. He's like, if that's not a, like— Omen? Yeah. He's like, that's not an omen. Like, I don't know what it is. So, that's fucking so cool. Crazy. That's um, so – everything happens for a reason. Everything happens. Do my mom used to say that all the time. She was like – you know, and I try to live with no regrets and move forward in life. Like, everything happens for a reason, and what goes around comes around. And yep. I've seen it time and time again. If you're you – might, you might not see it on a day-to-day -day level, karma, but over time, you know, things do come full circle. And if you just continue to put good energy out into the universe – um, good things will happen to you in the end. And I, I really believe that. I love it. Yeah. At this time, yeah, I'm going to lock you out. You're going to come in after. I'm going to bring Todd in. And cool. then you guys are both going to come in, and I'm going to decide who's guilty and who's not. Hell yeah. I love Get this. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. You watched that go down. How was that? No, I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it? No, I stepped out. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. fresh. You're, you're, you're not even, it's amazing. So during this, I always set a crime for people just to, you might talk about some heavy stuff. We might not just get a little bit of a fun moment. Um, I accuse you of a crime. And by the end of it, I decide if you're guilty or not. Your crime is promising the readers of your book a dollar and not paying. 
All right. I have paid some. Okay. Yeah. It's not all. Okay, not all. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get them later. <laughs> Fuck. I know. So does it feel weird to be being interviewed since you're used to doing it on your podcast? To be honest, it, it does feel weird. Yeah. But I used to like before a podcast, I never wanted to make a podcast because I, was, I always wanted to be interviewed. Yeah. But now I do the podcast. So I, yeah, it does feel weird. Is it, do you like it? I love it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's an interesting dynamic, and I think it's also really kind of surreal because I said this on your podcast. I grew up watching you guys, uh-huh. and so it's kind of cool to be like sitting here asking you fucking questions yeah, because it's like I'm used to watching the vlogs and like seeing your videos and Jason's and all this stuff. And uh-huh. it's, it's pretty sick. You watch mine? Yeah, I did. Oh fuck, dude! I remember. Um, it was so long ago. It was awesome. I, we would. So I used to do these days where me and my friends we we kind of didn't have anything going on. We kind of like, you know, a lot of us were smoking weed, being degenerates, not really doing anything with our life. And we would sit inside and, you know, go back to back, you know, David's vlogs and Jason's and yours and and then like Scotty's. And then we'd go like, you know, Logan. And then and we'd blink and like, damn, we should do that. And we always talked about it. They never did it. And then eventually one yeah. day I, you know, all the cards came crashing down and I was like, you know what? This is make it or break it. And I ended up doing it. Yeah. It was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, both, both parts of the story. Yeah. Thanks, dude. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> Um, okay, so there's a lot of things I actually did want to talk to you about, and there's a lot of things that, you know, um, I think are really cool to be able to, like, share. And I, I think the, the first thing I want to talk about, you you started on Vine. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. So, yeah, I, I guess I did. Um, so Scott was really kind of popping on Vine. I remember, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, I told this story before, but he made an account, and then I went away to go film a dating show. And before I left, he's like, when you get back, I'm going to be, like, popping on Vine. And he was. He's like, I'm going to be Vine famous. And he would he would go to the bar he'd work at. No one would be in there, and he'd be making Vines back there. Then I'd go get off work, and I'd meet him there, and we'd make Vines together. That's fucking cool. Yeah, it was, it was like a good like year we were doing that. What, where were you when you were doing this? We were in Huntington. No, like it, or in it, your life. In my life. Um, like how old and like what I was yeah. I was going to college. I was probably like 24, 23, going to school, working at a restaurant, bartending, and – and making vines. What was like the switch for you? Like, what was like, oh shit, I have something here. I'm going to go with it. Scott wanted to move to LA and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to move to LA too. Just right. give it a shot. Cause I wanted to act and, and write and stuff like that. I could see it. I said, this is my chance. He's going, I, I'm going to go with my buddy. And so for the longest time, for like six, seven months, I was going to school in between my parents' house and the house we lived at in LA with Zane Heath, yeah, uh, Scott and Elton. So they would sit there full time. I would live there probably like two, three days a week drive to school, drive to my parents' house, go to work, go back to school, and then come back up for a couple of days and hang out with these guys. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I was driving a lot. Like, fucking, I was working. But you always had something going on. Yeah. So that sounds nice. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was tough because these they were shooting videos together mm-hmm. and, like, staying up there. But I had to, like, always leave them and, like, not be in the videos for a right. little bit. So, but it was, it was cool. I like that. Yeah. You met Natalie, obviously, when she came from Chicago, right? Yes. What? I'm so curious. How did... You and Natalie happen. <laughs> it's so interesting. It's a long shot, right? No, no, no. It's not that. It's it's something where it's like, I thought it when I first saw it like online and stuff, I was like, oh, it's a bit. Uh-huh. It's not real. Yeah. And then like it kept going. I'm like, this is a really long bit. <laughs> Damn. That'd be <laughs> sick, huh? If it was just a bit the whole time. Well, I don't know. I there was a there was a part of me like I could never tell with, especially when I started YouTube, like, you know, it's 70% real, 30% scripted, yeah. or vice versa, or however it really was with the dynamic of like the short form content that you're constantly having to come up with. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know. Dave was always doing crazy stuff. So yeah. for me, it was like, I think it was it was really interesting and unexpected, but fucking cool that you and Natalie started dating. Thanks, dude. I don't know. It, it reminds me of like, um, 
Fuck, what's the what's the show with John Stamos? Family. Um, <laughs> we grew up what Full House. Uh, Full House. Full House. It reminded me of a Full Cheers. House type of Cheers. thing, or like Friends. Yeah. And so, uh, how did that happen? I met her. She was coming to help David out um, before she actually make, made the full move. Yeah. And I was like that. She was like super cool. Um, and then we became friends, like the friend group and everything. I was like never. I was like always like, kind of like flirting with her at times, like you know when I was single. Yeah. Of course. I think one day I was like, damn, like she's she's amazing. Like I want to like hang out with her and like take her out and like really get to know her. And, um, I think we just started, I started texting her like randomly Yeah. and she wouldn't respond some of the times. So but then I, <laughs> I would text her again the next, the next week. I'd wait a little bit. I'm like, Oh fuck, she didn't respond. Okay. Right, right. Go. And then she kind of started responding and then she started being flirty, Oh. but hard to get flirty. Oh, so you, you, you know were, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always like the known person to like be like pursuing her. Yeah. But behind the scenes, she, she was kind of like pursuing me like a little bit. Yeah, I love and like that. she always gave like gave me hope. And then I was on tour with Scott and I'm on the on the, on the tour bus and I'm like still texting her, like flirting with her and stuff like that. Like, oh, when I'm back, we'll, we'll hang out. And then it popped in my head. I'm like, I'm going to write a fucking song about her. Natalina. Natalina. Because <laughs> with that came, I, I, we switched phone cases and her phone case said Natalina. Oh, cool. And so that's where I got the idea to write the song. I love that. Yeah. And then so like after like the billboard... And everything came out of like yep. my drunk text. Billboard was one of my favorite bits you've ever done. Crazy, right? Crazy. I mean, fucking. I love it. The whole thing is kind of crazy because Natalina came out like a week later. Yeah. And everyone thought that was just like a ploy for the song, which it wasn't. It was just timing. But it worked out perfectly. Perfectly. That's amazing. Yeah. When did she budge? Like when was she's like, you know what? I'm into this. I think she, we kissed for the first time. I think that's when she kind of budged. And that was before the billboard incident. Yeah. So that happened. And I was like, holy shit. I was like. Off my rocks. No. It was sick. All right. Like, I spent the night. We need another billboard. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Round two. Yeah. And I spent the night and she and like we're getting up. She's like, you gotta get out of here before David sees you. So I left, I I left the house early, remember? And then I didn't text her for a while. And then I would text her, she wouldn't reply. I'm like, fuck, like, what is this? Like, what's going on? Right. And then the billboard we're, happened, and then she like kind of owed me a date and went to a hockey game after the billboard, like that night. Oh, that's amazing. Ducks Kings. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. See, I haven't. Gone, I've only gone to an LA Kings, uh, like LA Kings versus. Um, you're fine. It was like a. I think it was a Cana Canadian team that was Montreal. Playing. I don't know. Canadians I don't. Maybe. I don't know hockey. There's that a well. few Canadian teams, but yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's like the Canadians. So we'll call <laughs> Canadian something. Yeah. Who knows? No, that that, that that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool love story. Yeah, it's key. it's crazy. And then COVID happened, and that kind of like really like kind of like locked us in. So how are you guys now? We're great. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. It sounds so cliche. It's like you know people say you're hanging out with your best friend. I mean, you really essentially are. You yeah. Know? And so, obviously, like, I love her and, like, just never been, like, more comfortable in myself, like, around How someone, long you, guys you know? Been dating? A little over two years this month. Damn, I'm about to hit four. Oh, my God. I know, it's crazy. You gonna propose? Uh, eventually. Hell yeah. I don't know. I think that the stigma of me being 21 is kind of something It's like, I didn't have a childhood. I kind of lucked out and kind of got the shit end of the stick every time. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad died when I was young. My mom passed away, like, last year. So, it's kind of like, that's happened. Sure but I'm just, a lot. I'm living, I'm living life the way, like, you know. I want to get married and then have kids. And I yeah. want to have the marriage and the kids follow suit. Gotcha. And it's something where, you know, for me, I can't have a kid until I've not a kid anymore. Yeah, or at least yeah, somewhat yeah. able to take care of. You never know. That might never, never happen. Oh, it'll happen. I, it'll happen. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I, for me at least. Oh. <laughs> when, when, are you, when are you? No, I'm talking about like not being a kid than having a kid. No, I, I, and I'm asking I mean, when you get married. <laughs> I, I honestly, I'd rather have a kid before I get married. I love that. So. Why? I don't know. I think marriage is great. You know, the party's great. And sure. I just think there's a lot of pressure with marriage. And like, there's this, like, obviously like, there's this stigma and like, there's this like, 
you know, if you're unhappy, then people think divorce and stuff, yada, yada. I feel like if it's more of like a flowing situation, ebb and flow, Yeah. you have a kid, you know, you live together, obviously, and you're like, you're like, you're together, you're raising this kid. I feel like it can kind of come out a lot smoother. I mean, I come from a divorced family, and so it's just like- Oh, wow. Yeah. It's nothing crazy. There's a lot of divorced kids out there. For sure. I, it, it, yeah, but it's also something like beautiful where it's like when I was growing up and I was watching content, I felt like I was not able to, you know, be able to achieve the things that you guys were achieving at the oh. time. I always felt like, you know, I had the shit on the stick and it's like, you know, they don't have this happening. So to hear that you, you know, you had divorced parents and that was something that's a lot of people going through that right now yeah. feel like they, you know, can't do maybe something that you're doing or what, you know, David's doing or what I'm doing and, and, and or what even like anyone's doing because totally. they feel like they have the end, like a, a terrible card. Yeah, yeah. How was that? Ah, it's like, it's, this is another cliche thing, but like, I think mindset plays like a huge factor. Sure. Like even for myself, when I've noticed I've had like a terrible mindset about something and I just feel like, you know, it defeats my energy, first of all, which that's right. the worst. And then bad mindset, the outcome of like whatever you're doing, say like you're, you have a project, it's not going to usually turn out that well, or say you have like yeah. a bad mindset, you can't even get out of, out of bed. And then that you can't, if you can't, can't get out of bed, you can't do what you, you want to do. Like, like if a kid wants to like emulate, emulate, ugh, emulate you, yeah, they got to get out of bed and fucking do the work, you exactly. know, and have like that positive mindset. And for example, I've been watching Magic Johnson's documentary on Apple. Right? Oh, cool. I haven't seen it. And it's amazing. Yeah. And so two things, his smile and his, Three things, his smile and his mindset throughout the doc. And there's also an episodic show on HBO Max, whatever, that they're portraying magic. And he's just like this happy-go-lucky guy, right? Oh, cool. And he's like doing the work and getting shit done. And then obviously he he uh, he has the AIDS virus in 91. And instead of kind of like burying his head in his arms and kind of giving up, not playing basketball anymore, he beca- becomes like an advocate for, um, you know, like black communities with AIDS and like AIDS overall. That's beautiful. And then on top of that, he plays in the 92 Olympic like dream team and he comes back and plays basketball and wins a gold medal. And so like, no matter what happened to him, like all this adversity, obviously had a lot of talent. He kept this big smile that people remember. And he always had like a positive mindset of of things and like this like beautiful outlook on life and how to carry on, you know? So like, I kind of like, granted, I'll have like, you know, a bad mindset every once in a while, but I really try to like, show gratitude and be thankful and like, you know, just keep on keeping on. That's beautiful. You know? I've noticed but, like a lot of times, like I'll have a lot of things go through my mind. And I think this is when my mom passed away. I was I was like, you know, for three days straight, I was just like, you know, crying uncontrollably everywhere around the house. And it was just something for me is like, I think just working on my mind off of it. And yeah. like having like, realizing that like, you know, shit like this happens, sadly. Mm-hmm. Like this, sadly, this is shit that happened in my life. But I would not be where I am if it didn't. And like that was something that like I had to convince myself and and understand for myself and and when when I finally understood that I realized that you know even the things terrible in my life that happen and you know I've had a few it's something that you know I don't know what it's setting me up for yeah I don't know what it's doing good for me in the end and there's two paths you can take you can mm-hmm. sit down there and mope and and let it control your life or realize you know you got to keep going and see what what's yeah. in store right who fucking knows it molds you it, it just it, it's on you how it molds you. Yeah. Dude, there's always this story in the back of my head. I don't know if it's real or if it's a myth, but there is this girl she gets broken up with, right? Right. She's so depressed and she can't get out of bed. She's yeah. just crying, misses her boyfriend. She's not, she's staying in bed, not getting out for about like two, three months. And when she finally tried to get out, she was stuck to her bed. She became one with her bed. Oh, cool. No, 
Not cool. Not cool. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. no. She should have gotten out of bed. Oh, oh like you know full, what I'm saying? Like fully, physically, fully, stuck. physically stuck oh, okay, to her okay, bed. Okay, okay. Not yes. cool. Not cool. That sucks. So like I always think about that. I'm like, get up, you bitch. Do not mope anymore. You have your time. <laughs> you can cry, whatever, but keep on fucking going. That's you know, crazy. Yeah. Now I'm picturing the fucking mold of like. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that's nuts. I mean, have you had that like a point in your life where you're kind of just like, fuck, I just don't. Like, have you had something bad happen to you where that happens? Yeah. I mean, more so when I first moved to LA, I was living with all the guys. I mean, I still live with some guys here. Who do you live with? Zane and Matt. Oh, you Zane, live with Zane and Matt? Yeah, yeah. Fucking oh. best roommates. They're ma- I always see you guys around. Bro, it's, <laughs> it's so fun. Like, we always have, like, obviously we have a group chat, like, we make sure. group chat, and, like, just, like, all the, like, these inside jokes with Zane and Matt, and, like, just, like, these, like, stupid idiosyncrasies that we that we uh, attempt, and right. uh, between us, Matt will always, like, randomly text me. He's like, hey, God, did you come today? Oh, wow. Big load? Yeah. Right on you, sir. Totally between Fucking us. Fucking totally between us. No, yeah. one, no yeah. one's gonna hear this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Black magic, huh? Uh huh. Nice. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, I love it. It's, hey, Matt, how you, you doing? Like shows blemishes and everything, man. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! No, but yeah, I, I, it's it's. Um, I don't know. I kind of like living with people. I do too. I want to live I'm, alone, but at other points, I'm like, it would be so boring. I mean, you get to your 21. I'm. I just turned 31, and I talked to Zane about it. And he's like, I don't. I don't ever want, like not want to live with you guys. Yeah, I have my friend you Michael's. Know, like, he wants to be. Um, Jesse from, not yeah. Jesse, uh, Joey from, Joey from Full House. Yeah, yeah. Or Joey from Friends on top of the garage. Remember? Oh, sure. They don't show it, but they. That's where he is. Yeah. yeah. Chandler and uh, Monica's garage. Do you ever think you're going to move in with Natalie? Yeah. When? I do. I don't know. Uh, she has a lot of clothes. Oh. And she actually has her own personal closet in her backyard, like another like a separate house. And she has her closet in her room. Does she live alone? She lives with uh, her Reggie, her roommate. Oh, And cool. her mom's staying with her right now, too. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't. I wouldn't have enough room for my for my shit. But I, I'm over there all the time. She is the best bed. Really, like a nice king size bed. You know, like she falls asleep before me all the time. So I'm just fucking kicking it, watching TV. Yeah, and getting fucking. You know, I love I love good TV good TV series. I binge. Me too. But that's. Fucking I feel like that's a problem though because like I'm always trying to work and then I yeah, I yeah. get so caught up and I'm watching 911 right now. Okay. And I'm obsessed with it. But it's just like I just love crime shows. Yeah. I don't know. No, for me, I, I always have to have like a solid work day before I can like sit down and like watch my episode, like my television. Yeah, you know? or else you I sound like a lady. No, no, no. I, I, I understand it too. So, do you? You've been doing social media for quite some time now. Do you miss old social media, or do you like how where it's gone? I miss the old social media. Yeah, I feel like this What's is the difference. I mean, I think it's just very saturated. With I think it's great with a bunch of people saturated. It's just different. It's not as like adventurous or like the wild west. Like every other person you meet. This is kind of a selfish thing, but every other person you meet is like an influencer and like doing shit like that, and which is fine. But also too, it's- They all got egos now. Everyone's got an ego. Everyone's fucking woke. It's still great though. It's a blessing. I mean, this life is, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. I, I wanted to be an actor and a writer and like traditional and legit make it like that way. Obviously it didn't happen, not happening. So uh, right. social media has given me an opportunity to like write my own sketches and shorts and like do shit like that. So it's a fucking huge blessing and make music too. I love making music, but if it's I wasn't amazing. here doing this, being interviewed by you, like my music would, like, would go nowhere. I wouldn't say me, but yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I think I'm a small part of that. <laughs> Maybe like uh, 0.002%. You know, six inches? Yeah. yeah. Hey, six inches is above average. I yeah. like that. Four even. Four, yeah. yeah. Oh, Whatever. <laughs> Who's counting? I like to talk about like really sad shit. Yeah. I think that's something like with my music and how I carry it and the, my vlogs are super happy and amazing things. Is yeah. Do you have an outlet for anything? Like, I don't know if you've gone through anything like terrible or like something bad's happened to you, but how do you 
what's like, what is there something that bad has happened to you? And how do you kind of like cope it with it? Is there like a way you do it that isn't social media driven? Like, it, I think that's something interesting. Yeah, for me, it was always, it's always been my writing. Yeah. Like being able to write. Um, so like, just like dealing with like your everyday shit, you kind of, you know, if you're anxious, depressed, you're not really depressed, but you think you're depressed. Kind of like, yeah. you know, like 2015, 2016 were huge years for me. Um, I really wrote a lot and like journaled a lot. And that's where like our, our, my book development kind of came, came from. Yeah. And also, like, I kind of took on this, like, sad role for, like, probably like, three weeks where I'm like, oh, I should, like, be sad and, like, feel something if I really want to write something good, you know? And kind of, like, tor- like, the torture artist, whatever. Right. And then finally, and, like, people, like, I would write stories and post them online. And people would, like, relate to them and like them. I'm like, oh, I should keep doing this. But then I hit a wall. I'm like, I don't want like, to feel like this anymore. I want to write, keep writing, but I want to feel happy and, like, feel something else. And, like, yeah. be, like, be like the guy you want to be around, not be, like, this fucking mope that, like, nobody wants to be around, you know? Mm-hmm. And so finally I decided that I'm going to be happy, be lighthearted, you know, try to tell as many jokes as I can and without stressing and write some deep shit still, you yeah. know, and like write about my life and like my struggles and, or make up some struggles because like everything I write, I call it fiction, but it's kind of like an outline of my life in yeah. a sense, you know, just creating these characters. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, definitely like, you know, gone through like the struggles of like, you know, not being able to make rent, you know, crying to my mom, I'm going to fucking, I'm a failure here in Los Angeles, I'm moving yeah. back. And then, um, luckily Scott, you know, paid a couple months of my rent and I paid him back and after him, it was like the fucking coolest thing. And I was able to keep writing and filming videos with my friends. And so I guess, yeah, that's, uh, that's the gist of it where I was just trying to write and like feel something really. But then I realized I don't have to feel that way to write something good. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. That, that was a similar, like with me, Calvin, I, me and Cover were homeless together and we couldn't, we couldn't afford anything. And we were sleeping in cars and Calvin let me borrow $600 and I told him nice. I'd pay him back. And I, I ended up paying him back. And, and then eventually over time he moved in with me and I bought, I got a townhouse and like it was three stories Damn, and like dope. moved all my friends in who helped me while I was homeless. Yeah. And it was, it was a fun time. That's crazy. It's That's cool, cool, dude. I like it it's a lot. It's awesome. Yeah. All boats rise with the tide. And then we just start filming and, and yeah. having times and that kind of jump started that. How how did you kind of get mixed up in like vlog squad and all those cool things? Um, so Scott, Zane, Heath. Because uh, you guys are all still really close. Like, yeah. There wasn't really any falling out. No, no, no falling out um, with us. We're all, I mean, genuinely best friends. I moved here with Scott. Met Zane and Heath, moved in with them. Met David through Zane and Heath from like Vine. Cool. And then we just started filming like – we didn't even call them vlogs. I mean, I don't think I did. Like, David was just, like, filming us, like, do stupid shit and, like, yeah. fun, and fun shit. And then, you know, Jason joined, Natalie moved. And, like, we're all, like, I don't, I talk to a few people from home. But these are, like, my, these are, like, these guys are my family. These yeah. guys and girls, you know, like, they're my best friends. And, then like, my ride or die. And, like, I just said previously, like, I I see it, like, all boats rise with the tide. We try to help each other out. And, yeah. and off camera, we're there for each other. You know, and like always doing shit together, whether traveling or just watching a movie. And so I'm very, very, very blessed in like a situation like yourself with your friends, like your close friends yeah. from Carlsbad, right? Yeah. Damn, See? you know your shit. Yeah, dude. Like it's it's nice to have like people that uh, they always ask me, they're like, oh, LA, like is everyone fake? Like, I don't know if I want to move there. Can you make, how do you make friends? And I don't know what to tell them. I've made really good friends such as Brett yeah. from living here, but I came here with a best friend and met other really close friends before like we became like tossed in like some like sort of scene. We, when we, we came here, we didn't have any intention of starting a content house. Uh-huh. I was already living with my friends and Thomas was like, Oh, you know, we should like start a big thing. Like you seem stressed. I was like, I am stressed. I'm 19 at the time. I'm 18, 19. And I'm like, I, I pay the rent here and I, you know, I'm doing all these things and it's really stressful because all they are doing is partying. And uh-huh. it's like, I'm just trying to like film and live my life and yeah. trying to not get in trouble as much as possible and trying to like do something. And, He's like, oh, let's do this. And so we all just moved in in LA. And 
I we just he's like, oh, we're doing a photo shoot. We need a name. I just came up with the name, and we kind of just went with it. And all of a sudden, the next day, we have a million followers, and I was like, fuck, it's fucking crazy. It's crazy, but it, it's also very cool. It's yeah. something where it's like you know, through the last three or four years, I've stuck with them. We 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 fight, we bicker, we fucking right. have fun, we grab each other's asses. It's great. Dicks and asses. All the time. It's a great story. <laughs> you guys awesome stay, stay together forever. Yeah. No, like, I, you know? I, I personally think so. Yeah. I don't think we're always going to live together, but yeah, I think. Yeah, same. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Me, Natalie, and Zane. Are you from Huntington? I'm from Huntington, yeah. How is that? I, th- I didn't think I would ever leave Huntington. Really? To be honest with you. And then have this chance to come up here, and I will never live in Huntington ever again. Yeah. It's uh, too slow. Like, I see people, everyone's just, you know, doing the thing. Everyone's great. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just like the speed's a lot different than up here. And and then obviously it's like, I go there, I see my family and I usually don't go out when I'm there. I just, you know, hang out with my family. And then when I'm up here, I have my friends up here. So there's like really no need besides to see my family. Yeah. You know? And how, how was family growing up? Family was, it was great. Um, were they always supportive of what you wanted to do? Always supportive. Like my parents were so supportive. That's fucking dope. Yeah. And even like divorce, I'm like, didn't really bother me. They're divorced. But I mean- I I took it as. Did you do like separate? How like would sep- you go to like for Christmas and stuff like that? Yeah, so like I would go like, go to my one grandma's for Christmas Eve and the other one for Christmas, but I took it as like an advantage to like get away with more things. Oh, cool! But then eventually, this is crazy. So my sister is ten years younger than me. She's your age. Oh, cool! About to turn twenty one, and um, so she started playing competitive soccer like before high school. Yeah, like right before high school. So when that happened, my dad would spend the night on our couch, take her to school, and then like take her to soccer and then go back to work and like pick her up after or whatever. Yeah. Then eventually he moved into our downstairs bedroom. And so my parents under the same roof, but not together. Still? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's different. Weird situation. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Wait, you, you mentioned grandparents. You went to your grandma's house? <laughs> yeah. For Christmas. Like I was oh. saying like separate Christmases, like obviously, you know, Christmas, like. I was, that was nice. That sounds nice. Yeah. I mean, my grandparents were great. And yeah, were big family. Close relationship yeah, with them. Yeah, super, super close. Yeah. That's beautiful. So even though your parents were divorced and you, you, you still felt like they were together in a way that was helping you. Yeah. And it's yeah. nice. And you had your grandparents, which is even more beautiful. Totally. Yeah. It wasn't like they couldn't see each other. My parents were going to get a divorce before my dad was diagnosed uh-huh. with cancer. And then once he was diagnosed with cancer, they realized that it might have been better to stay together, which ended up just kind of fucking shit up. Yeah. Which, they were just constantly fighting and it made it worse that my dad was dying. So it was like just it's a, a bummer, yeah. fuck situation. Fucking. So I, I feel like I understand both sides because it's like mm-hmm. they didn't want to be together. Yeah. And yet I still lost one. So it's like, it's it's like, I don't know. I feel like I relate to a lot of like people's stories and like that. Mm-hmm. We're just, did you, you have siblings? I have three. Three. Older brother's a Marine, so he's cool. doing all that crazy shit. Older sister is 27, mm-hmm. and she does, like, all the all the fucking uh, marketing for Hyundai. And I have a little sister at UW uh, in Washington. Oh, right on. Yeah. My parents are busy. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I think that's something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. What's the goal, like, for you? You said you acting, and then you, you still, like, you know, writing and, and all these – and yeah. you've done music, and you've, you've done it all, which is honestly pretty fucking dope. Thanks, you're dude. taking advantage of the situation you have and yeah. figuring out what you like and love. Based on that, what is kind of, like – What's the goal? I've been asking that like myself that for like the past six months, five months. Yeah. On and off. Like, what's the goal? What's the end goal? What's the five-year plan? The 10-year plan? Fuck all the plans. Fuck the five-year, fuck the 10-year. Yeah. What do you What do you see yourself being happy doing? Creating a project such as having hand having a hand in writing a screenplay, acting in it, and directing it. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and that's like Adam lot. Sandler type of vibe. Exactly. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes. Like, something like that. And that's what I've been doing with my short films, but obviously they're not, you know, blockbusters. But the goal is to for like that movie to be somewhat something anytime, anywhere. I'm just kidding. Uh, to be, <laughs> I was trying to like, that was a movie. No, uh, like the goal it. is to, for those for those sketches to turn into a feature film that people watch in theaters. Oh, that's cool. You know, and then I have these fucking ideas where I call Scott today. I'm like, Scott, 
we need an artist project. We need four songs. We're changing the, we're not putting our names on this thing. We're making up a name and we're fucking putting this out. That's cool. We're making fucking four bangers. I love that. So like, and then I fucking like, I love writing short stories. So it's like, kind of like they all coincide. You don't need to pick one. Yeah, exactly. There doesn't yeah. need to be, and I ask this question just to get an idea of where people's heads are at. Because everyone has like, you know, I want to be an actor. I want to yeah. do this. There's nothing, I'm doing a podcast. I have my totally. music and I'm also like, you know, my, videos, my, like, my filmer Ryan's writing screenplays and uh-huh. it's like, I want to do something with him on that. So it's like, exactly. it's very, very wide band. It's like, eventually when I get older and who knows, maybe I'll never even decide, but yeah. that's okay. Like, I, I don't want, yeah, I don't want to be older and be like, oh fuck, I should have done this music, but I'm too old to do music now. Like, I want to like. You're never it, too old to do music. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can always do country, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't no. know. It's just a stupid stigma in the music industry. Like we said, I was so, talking with Brett. It's yeah. just fucking outdated. It is. But that being said, Scott's still doing music too. That's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, he just released an album. I love it. Right? So yeah, like I want to like do music with him. I want to make fucking films with him. I want to do everything with Scott and my friends. And like, I same, remember you know? before I met you guys, Scott like put on his story. He's like, he's like, <laughs> buy my new song and send me a photo. I bought it and sent him a Did photo. You? And he left me on scene. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, fuck. That's funny. I love you it. You gotta have him on here. and just That's the first thing you open up with. I know. I'm a little reluctant just because with everyone, just because, I don't know, with having that stigma of the whole David thing that, you know, if, if you don't know you live under a rock, you just look at my name on Google. Um, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It, it's it's a little weird. And when I first met you guys, I was really scared because uh-huh. it was something where I see you guys all the time and we talk and we're all cordial. And yeah. it's very much like, you know. We stand up and say, hey, how are you? But I, I think over time and the more I find myself and the more I'm kind of like established in the scene, I think yeah. the more it'll kind of carry through. I look at it like things like that is um, in your mind, it's going to be like this, like, you know, like this waning thing that you think about because people yeah. have mentioned it. But I, I see like the human the human mind, like people think about something for like five, six sec- seconds, 10 seconds, yeah. and then you, they don't give a shit. Like the first time I met you, I didn't think about that at all. Yeah. You know, obviously a couple of jokes maybe, but like, that's like not how I see you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if I like fucking fall on my face right now, it'd be pretty embarrassing, but like hopefully in five minutes you're going to forget about it. Yeah, hey, I'd pick talking. you up. Yeah. Pick me up, pat me off, or pat me, jerk me off. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this goddamn Red Bull, man. Bro, how long have you been in LA? Uh, five years. How was dating in LA? Obviously before Natalie. Before Natalie? Obviously. It's great. Is it like, great. is I mean, it weird? Or, I mean, no, you, look like, like, you look like fucking Abercrombie and Fitch shut, shat you out. But like, what is like <laughs> the... <there> you? <laughs> but how That's was crazy. it? Um, how was the dating scene? Be- before Natalie, I mean, it was, I was just, you know, dating, just cruising around. I didn't like really uh, try to get like, you know, tied down, you know, sure. ball and chain. But um, everyone that I met was, was cool. Were you actually dating Krennikov? Yeah. How was that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> give me the deets. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Buy your OnlyFans. I'm just kidding. The fuck? <laughs> like you, want the, you want the deets? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, no. no, I got it. No, I mean, Corinne is great. Because it was a very public relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah very public. And then just ended like, I don't it, know why. It, it kind of like ended, uh, it seems like maybe ab- abruptly, but it was kind of like this on and off thing kind of yeah. thing. It was kind of like dying a little bit. Sure. And, you know, I didn't treat her like in the beginning, which I regret just because, you know, I was fucking, I was an idiot. And I didn't treat her like the best in the beginning. Yeah. And that kind of like created like a rocky start. Um, and like where she couldn't trust me. And so that her not trusting me led to a lot of like stupid fights Yeah, and like me and I not being able to like do like whatever, like certain things. And then I felt restricted and then she thought I was like fucking, you know, rebelling cause she couldn't trust me. But like, so like that kind of like, 
it didn't, it was, it was great. She's a great person. Yeah. You know, like we're still friends to this day. I love that. Yeah. I see her everywhere. I fucking see her everywhere in her fucking Ferrari. At oh, Home Depot. Right. And then the next day I'm like, I'm, I saw her up the street here what, the what, other day. She's like five Ferraris, right? She's got a Ferrari. Um, Cause I, I, I was looking at her, her Ferrari was so sick. I'm like, that's so fucking cool. And then it was crazy. I was like, oh, interesting. I'm like, that's a cool car. Then I go to Home Depot and then I'm just checking out and that's, I, I walk past and I just hear her asking about screws. And I'm like, <laughs> how didn't I just see you yesterday? But it was, it's just, it's funny. Just, she's like one of the most, like you one of the people LA. in LA I've never talked to, I've never met. And I just randomly fucking <laughs> see her everywhere. How did, how did she take you That's and funny. Natalie? I haven't like really talked to her about it, but she didn't seem to like mind that uh, much because we had, oh, yeah. we had been, you guys been, been broken, broken up for, up for a while. Time. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't I, think I, she cared. And we're all like, we all hang out and like every once in a while and like, you know, yeah. not a big deal. Well, all right. On that note then, I... I'm going to bring in Brett, and we're going to get to the bottom of his fucking verdicts here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right, bring Brett in. Brett. Oh, come on in, buddy. Oh, yeah, Brett. <laughs> oh, my God. We got Todd's ad-libs. Yo, that guy's crazy. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? The cop, the cop guy? Yeah. You see his thighs? Dude. He's fucking huge. Calvin is fucking, he, he played baseball. We, he grew up playing baseball. Look at this man. Jesus, so he's, he's a pretty good catcher? He's just starting OnlyFans. Well. Yeah, he catches him in between his cheeks. <laughs> what did, right. Maybe you should set him up with Harry. Honestly. Oh, my Honestly. God, yeah. You guys see Harry's sex tape? No, yeah. Oh, we'll get into it. Oh, yeah. At this current moment, after reviewing both of your tapes, mm-hmm. I found you both not guilty. Oh! Wait, is that, is that good? I think that's good. I feel like we're not, we're not kind of badass. Well, because you're, you're, you're making payments, right? Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And it, it's okay. You've paid some people. I'm going to let you off on the hook on this just because oh. if you didn't pay anyone, obviously. That'd be fucked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, maybe next time. Don't well, tell me what you're <laughs> And you, on the other hand, I, I genuinely just don't think you, you want to be known. I think you probably killed some people or something. <laughs> I tried to look this man up on the internet. There's nothing. He scrubbed himself. I know. I know. And at this current moment, yeah. <laughs> would you guys like to promote anything? And that camera right there. Yeah. Watch the Good Boys podcast. Good Boys podcast. Check it out. Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your local. I was podcast. on the podcast. Go check it out. Yes, check Woo. that episode out. Also, we have new some new music coming out. Or I do, and Brett helps me uh, put it together. It's amazing. Let's fucking go. Go Let's listen go. to it. Go listen to both. It's all amazing. And at this current moment, you guys are officially locked out.